In Acts chapter 6 and 7, we have the testimony of the great man of faith, Stephen. He was one of the seven men they chose when there was a murmuring by the Grecians against the Jews that they were not being treated fairly in the administration of food and various objects. Stephen was a great man of God. He was full of faith and power and did great wonders and miracles among the people. And because of his great faith and the miracles he performed in the name of Jesus, attention was drawn to Stephen and the Jews set about to destroy Stephen. Acts chapter 6, starting at verse 9. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and the Cretans, and the Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which Stephen spake. So they set about to find witnesses against him. And it says, Then they suborned men which said, We have heard him, Stephen, speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council. In those days, the Jewish leaders of the synagogue had power to kill whomever they wanted to kill. So this was a different matter from coming to a court of law today in the United States. They could kill that person that they thought had done harm against God and the synagogue and the Old Testament and the Old Covenant. For they didn't know the New Covenant yet. It was just coming forth at this time through men like Stephen. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. And they set up false witnesses which said, This man Stephen ceased not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. The new covenant of God and faith in salvation through belief in Jesus was upon them.
Verse 15, and all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on Stephen, saw his face as if it had been the face of an angel. Acts chapter 7, verse 1. Then said the high priest, Are these things so? And at that point, Stephen begins his remarkable accounting of the history of the Old Covenant and the Jewish nation and ends it with the testimony of the New Covenant and Jesus Christ and salvation through Jesus. Acts chapter 7, verse 2. Stephen starts speaking about the history of the Jewish nation, of the great works of God through the Jewish nation, of first Abraham. And he, Stephen, said, Men and brethren and fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he dwelt in Sharon, and said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and come unto the land which I shall show thee. Now, at the time God spoke to Abraham, he also said, And I will make of thee great nations. This is the prophesying of salvation that would come to the Gentiles through the new covenant, through Jesus. Acts chapter 7, verse 4. Then came he, Abraham, out of the land of the Chaldeans, and dwelt in Sharon. And from thence, when his father was dead, God removed him into this land, wherein ye now dwell. And God gave him none inheritance in it, no, not so much as to set his foot on. Yet he promised that he would give it to him for a possession and to his seed after him, when as yet he had no child. And God spake on this wise, that his seed, Abraham's seed, should sojourn in a strange land and that they should bring them into bondage and entreat them evil four hundred years. That was Joseph going down into Egypt and then the patriarchs following Joseph down because of the famine and as a result of that living as slaves in Egypt for four hundred years. Verse 7, And the nation to whom they shall be in bondage will I judge, said God. And after that they shall come forth 
and serve me in this place. And he, God, gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham begat Isaac and circumcised him the eighth day, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat the twelve patriarchs. Verse 9, And the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him. Joseph was only 17 years old when he was sold into slavery and taken down into Egypt by the Ishmaelites and sold to the captain of Pharaoh's guard. And God delivered him out of all his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he made him governor over Egypt and over all his house. Now there came a dearth over all the land of Egypt and Sharon, and great affliction, and our fathers found no sustenance. But when Jacob heard that there was corn in Egypt, he sent out our fathers first. And at the second time he sent them to Egypt, Joseph was made known to his brethren, and Joseph's kindred was made known unto Pharaoh. Then sent Joseph and called his father Jacob to him, and all his kindred threescore and fifteen souls. Seventy-five men went down into Egypt, and in the period of time between Jacob and Moses, and the time Moses was used to bring them out of Egypt, they had multiplied to over 600,000 men that were brought out of Egypt by God. From 75 men, they multiplied to more than 600,000 men, Jewish men, that were brought out of Egypt at the time of Moses. Stephen says, So Jacob went down into Egypt and died, and he and our fathers, verse 16, and were carried over into Sichem and laid in the sepulcher that Abram bought for a sum of money of the sons of Emor, the father to Sichem. But when the time of the promise drew nigh, the promise of deliverance, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt, till another king arose which knew not Joseph. The same dealt subtly with our kindred, and evil entreated our fathers so that they cast out their young children to the end they might not live. Now Moses is going to be discussed by Stephen. I have learned many 
extra things, additional things, by reading about Moses as Stephen spoke about Moses. Verse 21 of Acts chapter 7. In the which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house for three months because Pharaoh had ordered that all the male children of the Jewish men would be killed. So they had to hide the babies and they hid Moses in bulrush in a river. Verse 21, And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him, took Moses up as her own son, and nourished him for her own son. Verse 22, And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptian. He lived as Pharaoh's grandson for the first 40 years of his life. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. And when he was a full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, Moses defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and slew the Egyptian. For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. This is an interesting situation because Moses lived among the Egyptians as an Egyptian, as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And yet in his heart, he knew God was going to use him to deliver the children of Israel. But the children of Israel didn't know this. So Moses became very afraid after he had killed the Egyptian and found it was known about town what he had done. Verse 26, And the next day Moses showed himself unto them as they strove, and would have set them at one again, saying, Sirs, ye are brethren. Why do ye wrong one to another? But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust Moses away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Wilt thou kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? Who made thee a ruler and a judge over the people of Israel? Well, God did. But they didn't know it at that time. But they were going to find out in the future. In the meantime, Moses was afraid. And he fled at this saying and was a stranger in the land of Midian where he begat two sons. After 40 years of living 
outside of Egypt. There appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he wondered at the sight, and as he drew near to behold it, the voice of the Lord came unto him. Here is the way God communicates with us, by his voice. It may not be an audible voice, but it is the Holy Spirit who lives inside us, who brings to our mind the word of God on the subject at hand, as God wills. Well, God was going to use Moses, so he spoke to Moses out in the wilderness as Moses went to look at the flaming bush. The voice of the Lord came to him, saying, I am the God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses trembled and dared not behold. Then said the Lord unto him, Put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. And God said, I have seen, I have seen the affliction of my people which is in Egypt, and I have heard their groaning, and am come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send thee into Egypt. Moses has known all these 40 years that God would use him for a deliverer, but when it came down to actually the point and time of doing it, Moses was going to say, who, me? What? Well, Pharaoh won't listen to me. Verse 35. This Moses, whom they refused, saying, who made thee a ruler and a judge? The same did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel which appeared to him in the bush. God brought them out after that he had shown wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness 40 years. At one point, Moses announces to them the coming of the prophet Jesus. Verse 37. This is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me. Him shall ye hear. This was Jesus. And it's the same now. Him shall we hear. The Holy Spirit lives in us and brings to our mind the word of God, the word of Jesus. Him shall ye hear. Verse 38. This is he, Jesus, that was in the church in the wilderness 
with the angel that spoke to him in the Mount Sinai and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us, to whom our fathers would not obey, but thrust him, Jesus, from them, the word from them, the commandments of God from them, and in their hearts turned back again unto Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make us gods to go before us. For as for this Moses which brought us out of the land of Egypt, we know not what is become of him. He was on the mountain conferring with God and receiving the Ten Commandments. So they said, Make us our own gods. And they made a calf in those days and offered sacrifice unto the idol and rejoiced in the work of their own hands. And even in the New Testament church, many are rejoicing in the work of their own hands, thinking, I did this myself. Salvation is of me. I just needed to receive Jesus. Everything is of them when really salvation is of God. He chose us. God put into the church those who were to be saved. That's, I believe, Acts 2.47. God added to the church those that were to be saved. It wasn't our choice. God spoke to us and changed us and gave us a new heart and a new spirit so that we could follow him and obey him. But they rejoiced in the work of their own hands and many people who join a church without being born again, rejoice in the works of their own hands, in visiting the sick and such things as that. Verse 42, Then God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets. O ye house of Israel, have ye offered to me slain beasts and sacrifices by the space of forty years in the wilderness? Yea, ye look upon the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your god Remphan, figures which ye made to worship. And I will carry you away unto Babylon as a punishment. Verse 44. Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness, as God had appointed, speaking unto Moses, that he should make it according to the fashion that he had seen. Well, we have the New Testament, which God gave us, so the doctrines of Christ would be there for all of us in the New Testament, that we would know the doctrines of Christ by the Holy Spirit and could do the commandments of the Lord for the New Testament church. They had the testament in the wilderness. We have the testament of God in the New Testament Bible. But many will not follow 
the New Testament Bible. They changed the doctrine in the churches. Many in the wilderness would not heed the Testament. Verse 45 which also our fathers that came after brought in with Jesus into the possession of the Gentiles, whom God drave out before the face of our fathers unto the days of David, who found favor before God and desired to find a tabernacle for the God of Jacob. But Solomon built him a house, Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands. He doesn't dwell in church buildings made with hands. He dwells in the heart of the individual by his Holy Spirit, which he gives to the individual Christian. Verse 49, God says, Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house will ye build me, saith the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Hath not mine hands done all these things? When I was living in Lubbock, Texas, I went to a luncheon downtown. And at the table where I was seated, it looked out over the downtown Main Street. And a woman said, That is the church. And she pointed to First Methodist Church in downtown Lubbock. And I said, we are the church. There was dead silence. And the woman said, we're not the church. We're not a church. I'm not a church. That's the church. And she pointed to the First Methodist Church building. And I said, we are the church. And she got very angry with me and began to argue, and I just shut up at that point. People think the building is the church, the individuals of the church. The church are the people who have born again and heard from God and been changed by God into new creatures. But the vast majority of people who identify themselves today as being Christians worship their church building, their ministers, their stained glass, and they get all emotional over things like that when the Spirit of God is not in them. Now let's look at the ending of Stephen's speech to the rulers of the temple. Stephen says she's stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. Ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, Jesus, of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the disposition of angels, the law of Moses, but have not kept it. Verse 54. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on 
Stephen with their teeth. But he, Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And Stephen said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped up their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witness laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. This would be the Apostle Paul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God. Stephen was calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he, Stephen, kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when Stephen had said this, he died. Says he fell asleep. That means he died. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul, Paul, was consenting unto Stephen's death. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. What's going to happen when the church is persecuted and has to flee? They're going to carry the word of God with them wherever they go. So the word of God is going to spread all over the world. Thank you for allowing me to share with you today.